0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Flushing Transit Authority. Uh, This is your returning host, Jay Bushman, and I'm here with stalwart, um, iron horse, streak of hosting, never been broken, Will Stegman. Hey, Will, how's it going? Hey, Jay, how are you? Yeah, my streak is now, assuming this becomes an official podcast
1: where, you know, you got to finish five innings. Yeah. Um, I will have appeared in 13 consecutive episodes of Flushing Transit Authority, making me the
0: record holder. How many more podcast episodes do you need to host before you tie and or break uh, Cal Ripken's podcast record?
1: Well, it depends on, is Kevin Costner's wife involved in this in any way? (laughs) I certainly hope not. Okay, good. You know, we've never known if that story is confirmed or denied. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I've got a long way to go. I've got a, I've got at least, you know, 2,300 podcasts to go.
0: Well, um, I'm, uh, very grateful, uh, to you for, um, keeping things going while I was away. It's great to be back. Um, uh, but of course this would not be an episode of Flushing Transit Authority if we did not start with a correction. Um, and so correction,
1: I'm going to just just to toot my own horn here. Sure, I made I made no mistakes last week.
0: <laughs> well done. So, See what happens when uh, when I'm not on the podcast. It's uh, smooth sailing. So how did we have a correction when I was flawless? Well, so the reason I was away is I spent the last week in Bogota, Colombia, uh, and I went down there because I had been told. Uh, through some uh, channels, maybe not the most reputable, but I've been giving uh, pretty good information that Dilson Herrera uh, has a twin brother down in Bogota who possesses the secrets of how to cure spinal, seno- spinal stenosis. And as we all know, uh, spinal stenosis is the thing that has cut short uh, David Wright's career in the past few years. So I went down to Bogota to find... Uh, Dilson Herrera's twin brother get the secrets to curing spinal stenosis and to bring them back and to hopefully you know help help the captain get back on the field. Well, uh, while I was down there, uh, I discovered that um, it was just a mistranslation. Uh, my Spanish is very very poor. Um, I don't even want to say what it actually was because it's a little embarrassing. Uh, so let me just say I would like to apologize. To Dilson Herrera, uh, Dilson Herrera's non-existent twin brother, uh, the city of Bogota, and the nation of Colombia for my mistake. Wow,
1: I had no idea
0: that you were on some secret mission. It I was a pretty, it was a pretty busy week down there. But I do have a little bit of good news. Okay, oh, um, the the trip was not completely in vain. Um, uh, while I was down there, I began discussions. Uh, to have Flushing Transit Authority become an official sponsor of the Bogota Eagles of the Colombian Professional Baseball League. Ooh, that's so, big you know, news. Discussions are ongoing. Uh, the Eagles have not uh, been in existence for the past few years. Uh, they were a team a few years ago, but that season got shut uh, cut short because of hurricanes. Um, but the Bogota Eagles are making a comeback, and they are looking for sponsorship and what better, what a more natural fit for a sponsor for a Colombian professional baseball team could there be than this podcast? I mean, when you think of a Colombian baseball team, the first
1: thing you think of is a podcast about a team in New York made by two
0: guys who live in Los Angeles. Right, exactly. I mean, the the sponsorship almost uh, sells itself. Right. I mean, look, the rest of this trip,
1: look, you've First of all, you fell for the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> the old Dilson Herrera twin brother gag. I, I can't believe they got you with that. But this is good. You, you, you made something out of this.
0: I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to expand our horizons. Uh, I, I'm trying to get uh, the Flushing Transit Authority empire branching out over multiple continents. And, you know, somebody's got to do it. Um, so I figured, why not me? This is a lemons and lemonade scenario. Nice work. And s- thank you, thank you. And speaking of nice work, um, I want to thank you for holding down the fort while I was gone, and I want to I want to say thanks to Matt Callan for uh, for being a really great guest. I I listened to the uh, to the episode on the plane back uh, the other day, and it was a really fun conversation. And I almost forgot for a few moments that like, hey, this is the podcast I make. This is cool. Um, <laughs> No, I I wanted to chime in on a couple of things that, that Matt said. Um, I was sort of imagining that like, if I had been there when you spoke with him to like chime in and I was doing that on the airplane and the people around me were like, would you shut up? Um, so I'm going to do it now. Uh, Matt mentioned that, uh, he grew up in Orange County, New York, um, which is just a little bit further North from where I grew up, uh, in Rockland County. Um, but I do want to quibble with one thing. He described um, Orange as upstate. And as any Rocklander will defiantly tell you, we are not upstate. We are downstate New York. Upstate is Rochester, upstate is Buffalo. Uh, I spent a lot of my youth telling people in New York City that I was from Rockland, and they would say, oh, upstate. No, I'm not upstate. We are as All close right. to New Jersey as you could possibly get we'll at the southern end of the stop state. So it's a just. Second. Sure. I grew up on Long Island, and
1: anything north of Westchester is upstate. See, we weren't north of Westchester. We were west of Westchester. Oh, I stand corrected. Right. You, know, you, you are absolutely correct. You know, you should probably get Matt has a podcast called
0: <laughs> Geography Arguments.
1: That you <laughs> would
0: be perfect. I'm just I'm just saying it's a little bit of a sore subject for me, so I just wanted to I just wanted to get in there. Um, but the other thing that uh, that that really stuck out to me was I was struck by how different uh, your experience and Matt's experience with Yankee fandom was with mine. You were very sort of generous to to say that like you did not have a lot of memories of of individual Yankee fans being that nasty or that uh, difficult. Uh, with you guys being Mets fans. That was not my experience. Now, maybe I just happen to grow up around particularly awful Yankee fans uh, in Rockin County. Um, but in my experience, uh, Yankee fans would not hesitate to mock, insult, or, or ridicule anything or anyone associated with the Mets. Uh, that being said, they would not hesitate to mock, insult, or ridicule anybody about anything that they could uh, think of. Um, and while I do, of course, bear um, some obvious um, scars, emotional and otherwise from that, as you can tell, um, I think more importantly, we can, uh, we can draw a line, a direct line from that attitude um, to the demeanor and attitude of the petty tyrant that used to run that organization, George Steinbrenner, Um, who you guys talked about uh, quite a bit. Um, And I think we can take another leap between uh, Steinbrenner um, and the uh, current embarrassment in our White House, um, who both are of a similar kind of entitled New York uh, plutocrat temperament. Right. Those things are all very similar to me and and I can only imagine that wherever George Steinbrenner resides in whatever version of the afterlife he's really pissed that he didn't stick around long enough to uh, to make as big a uh, imprint on the history of the nation as that other guy
1: well you know it's it it's absolutely an apt comparison um, you know there's a famous line about George Steinbrenner um, which was, you know, he was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. And as someone said during the Trump campaign, Trump was born on third base and thinks he invented baseball.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That sounds so, about right. That sounds about right. But, the, I mean, the best thing you can say about uh, George Steinbrenner is that it was when he was exiled, as you guys talked about, um, That led to that period of mid-90s success um, for the Yankees. And uh, it made me me remember about the one time, the 1996 World Series, that I Mm -hmm. actually cheered for the Yankees. It's the last time I can remember it happening. It's the only time I can really remember it happening. And just, I've been trying to cast my mind back to the world of 1996 and what made it possible to, when the Yankees got into the World Series, to cheer for them. Now, part of it is that they were playing the Braves, um, Mm. the hated, hated, hated Braves. Um, But I think an even bigger part of it was Steinbrenner had been gone, The team was being run by um, Bob Watson. They had Mm -hmm. drafted all of these young players who were just starting to come into their own, and they hadn't annoyed us to death yet with how how much they they would win everything. Um, But I think it's really interesting to contrast the 1996 Yankees-Braves World Series with the 1999 Yankees-Braves World Series. Just a a scant three years later, um, I don't know about you, but in nineteen ninety nine, the idea of supporting the Yankees in the World Series in, in, against the Braves just was unthinkable. Yeah, I was the
1: same. I was, in, and honestly, that was a series where, like, you know what? The best what I'm rooting for is a meteor to hit the stadium. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you though. With the ninety six World Series, there was a, another thing going on, which was it was the first time either the Mets or the Yankees were in, you know, making a postseason run in the Sports talk radio era, you know, mm-hmm. WFAN was around in '86, but it wasn't what it became, and it wasn't the same thing in '88 when the um, when the Mets were, you know, in the NLCS. Remember the year before, the Yankees were in the wild card, um, you know, back when the wild card was a was a five game series. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, maybe one of the top three baseball games I've ever attended was game two at Yankee Stadium. Wow. That was the 14-inning the game, I, if my memory serves me correct, um, won by Jim Leyritz with a home run in the 14th. Oh, um, yeah, I remember that. Amazing game. You know, at that point, Derek Jeter's 20 years old. Mariano Rivera comes in and throws three innings. Um, and it was just unhittable. And again, this was Mariano Rivera at, like, 22 years old. You know, when he was a failed starter, just, you know, coming out of the pen to, to support John Wetland. John Wetland. yeah. Haven't thought yeah. about forever. But <laughs> I remember that was an amazing game. Um, mm-hmm. I've only been to I've probably half a dozen games at the old Yankee Stadium because I wasn't a fan. But if I had free tickets, I'd go to a baseball game. Sure. Uh, the next time I went to Yankee Stadium, this is a bittersweet moment. Darryl Strawberry in a Yankee uniform hit mm. three home runs. Oh,
0: that's Anyways. bad. That's bad. Okay. But I, I mean, but I think it's important to to point out that the difference between the 96 and the 99 Yankees and the, the, the thing that makes it uh, makes us able to support the earlier version is that George Steinbrenner was nowhere to be seen in 96, but he was back. By the time '99 rolled around, and '99 was also the year they added one Mr. Roger Clements. Absolutely. Um, and it was just they were awful and insufferable. And and I guess you know it, it, the small comfort is that I could be restored to the comfortable um, uh, feel of being able to hate the Yankees and everything they stand for, and the um, and and just really. Um, decry their smug superiority in all things. Now, I wonder if
1: you would have felt differently if the Braves had beaten the Diamondbacks in that, mm. in that NLCS. It's all possibly, academic. We'll never
0: possibly, know. Possibly. Possibly. Remember, I remember the Braves losing four in a row to the Yankees in 99 and going, you know what? We could have done that. You know, yeah. like like we had to exactly. go through all of that so that you would go and just get swept. Although I guess we could take a small measure of, uh, of happiness in feeling like had the Braves not had to fight tooth and nail to get there, maybe they would have been a little more rested and ready. Um, and then I don't want to spend any more time on this. I just want to echo the um, the short little uh, pot shots that you guys took at Mike Lupica. I agree 137%. Uh dude never met an adjective he didn't like using 13 times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, not my I don't know. Every time I see that he's still working, I'm slightly surprised by that. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so let's like move on to uh to what's been happening since there. Have there have there been games? I'm not really sure. I I, I missed most of them while I was out of the country, but judging from the recaps that I saw, uh that may not be such a terrible thing.
1: Yeah, you know what, there have been games. They have been um almost uniformly terrible. While you were gone, they actually did something unusual. They won a game on a Sunday. Oh my god. Admittedly, it was against the Phillies. So it's not quite a major league team, but they they won a game. Um, more important, well, more sort of, you know, regressing to the mean, they then lost the next five. Sweet. Um, then they won a game and they lost another one. So at this point, I think they're 13, maybe 14 games below 500. And
0: who cares? Yeah, pretty Obviously, much. Who cares? Pretty much, pretty much. But, you know, the, the, the fire sale continues. And, you know, I... I I was, not, uh, I was not actually expecting Rene Rivera to go, um, but like I can't actually remember the last time there was a waiver claim where someone wasn't pulled back. Um, right. That's always fun, where it's like, oh, you claimed him? He's all yours.
1: I think that really what you get to is if you want to describe this Met season, you can do so very effectively using the six-word story, um, format, you know, the possibly Ernest Hemingway created six-word story right. about baby shoes, yeah. you can actually say, for sale, expiring contracts never won.
0: Oh, it's harsh, but it's true. It's, 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 it's harsh, but it's true. I, um, I yeah. I believe that. Um, but, you know, we do find ourselves, uh, you and I in particular, in a little bit of a sticky situation right now. And, and, and we have a big question that we need to address. Um, two weeks ago on this very podcast, you and I both agreed that there was no way we could support our local team, the Dodgers, uh, in their playoff run due solely to the presence of one Mr. Utley, comma, Chase on that team. But between then and now, the axis of the world has shifted. Everything has changed because Curtis Granderson is now a Los Angeles Dodger. Um, we yes. knew Curtis was going to go. I was surprised that he was coming to the Dodgers because, like, haven't the Dodgers lost nine games all season? Um, it was uh, it was kind of a surprise. But, but it puts you and I in a in a in an interesting position because, you know, are are we now going to rescind uh, our declaration? Are we going to now back Los Angeles all the way? Does does Curtis's presence on the Dodgers roster outweigh Chase Utley's? I think in the end, Will, what I'm asking is, does love trump hate? Well, it's a tough question. It's a question that I've
1: been asking myself since. The, um, since the trade happened, for me, it does. I will tell you, I already have tickets to go see the Dodgers <laughs> on Saturday. Okay. Here's, I've made no secret, I am a giant fan of Curtis Granderson, and I say that as someone who was not a giant fan of Curtis Granderson before he played for the Mets. When he, when he signed the four-year deal, back before the 2013 season, or was it, yeah, 13, Mm -hmm. no, no, before the 14 season, between 13 and 14, I thought, Curtis Granderson, um, good player, super nice guy, but is a product of playing in Yankee Stadium and playing in a stacked lineup. I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong, and Curtis Granderson, as much as I thought he was a good human, was an even better human than I can than I even imagined. I said on Twitter after the trade happened, and I mean this, and I stand by 100%. Curtis Granderson is probably not only my favorite Met of the last 20 years, but maybe one of my favorite Mets ever. I just I, I can't say enough good things about the guy. I I have really mixed feelings about seeing him go. On one hand. We knew he wasn't going to be back next year. Mm-hmm. But we wanted, as a fan, I wanted to be able to, to watch him and applaud him and to try to thank him for um, you know, his, his tenure with the team and everything he has done for the um, fans, for his teammates, for, for the world. He's just a guy who seems to give and give. I mean, I can, I can name several of my friends who just you know approach him at the ballpark, Curtis, can I take a picture and he'll pose with a selfie um, my my neighbor and friend um, Bridget, who is uh, a fan of the podcast and friend of the show, um, was at City field earlier this year, and she was close enough to the on deck circle to um, ask Curtis if he could take a picture um, while you know in between at bats and he said. Basically, not now, but I'll get you next time. Because okay. he, was, he had to go up to the plate, right? And he's, he's working. Here. He's right. He's at work. And you know what? Next time he came up, he found her in the crowd, called yeah. her up, and they took a picture. Oh, and that's great! I, what a great guy. And I've heard other friends tell me similar stories. And even before the trade got announced last week, you knew something was happening because there was video of Curtis i fiving all of the people who work at City Field.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, the ushers, the cleaning crew, the clubhouse guys. He was going around thanking people. And so we knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when. Um, again, I, I'm so sad to no longer have him on the Mets. But, you know, on the bright side, one, I can go see him this Saturday. Mm-hmm. And he's playing... Uh, They're playing the Brewers, so I could even see our old buddy Neil Walker. Oh, nice. And you know what? There's a good chance Curtis Granderson may end up with a ring this year because the Dodgers are stacked. I mean, the rich get richer when you bring um, a reliable veteran left-handed bat who can play, you know, multiple outfield positions and is the nicest guy in the world. When you can add that guy to your team, you know, in a team that's already got 88 wins Mm -hmm. and it's not even the end of August yet, that's amazing. I will tell you, here's my dream scenario. I hope that when Curtis Granderson walked into the locker room, he walked up to Chase Utley, punched him in the face, said, (laughs) that one's for Ruben Tejada, and then said, hey, teammate, let's go play some ball. (laughs) You know? Delivered his message, and then let's pretend
0: it never happened i would sure i would accept that
1: happen, <laughs> let's assume it
0: did head canon accepted i will yes. i will accept that head canon um we should also uh say that just as we were going to uh start recording uh this episode apparently curtis hit a grand slam uh in the game that they're playing tonight and hashtag grander slam seems to be trending in Los Angeles. I also read that um a couple of days ago they were uh, the Dodgers were playing in Detroit where Curtis broke up Justin Verlander's no-hitter and at the same time got repeated standing ovations from the from the Detroit fans who remember him from when he was a Tiger and still love him from then. So this is a guy who everywhere he goes people fall in love with him and now he's here in Los Angeles. Where if he can't be on the Mets, at least we can get to watch him here, or at least we could, if uh, the cable dispute um, ha- uh, ever got resolved, we'll at least see Curtis in the postseason with the Dodgers. All right, so it sounds like we have agreed that we are we are rescinding our decree against Chase Utley. Um, I, I, I'm not going to cheer for him, but we as a podcast are going to throw in with the Dodgers for the rest of the year. Although I, I I do want to point out that that does not mean we are becoming a Dodgers podcast. That's not happening. No, no, no way, no how. This is still
1: a Mets podcast. Right. This will always be a Mets podcast. Even but if I, Fred
0: Wilpon wants to build us a rotunda, we're not going to become a Dodgers podcast.
1: Hmm. Well, how big is this rotunda? Speak
0: <laughs> <of>? <laughs> well, you know, we have to see if the Colombian money comes through uh, uh, before we know uh, know how big that's going to be. And hey, speaking of money coming through, this uh, would be a good time to um, uh, let our uh, this week's ad sponsor uh, have a little airtime. Shall we do that? Yes, I think it's a great time. Okay. This week's Flushing Transit Authority is brought to you by all new Ahmed Rosario brand rosary beads. We're all praying for Rosario to be the answer for the Mets future, to become that franchise player to lead the next era of Mets greatness. So why not amplify those prayers with Ahmed's own personal line of prayer beads? And you know, these beads, they're not just for Catholics. These these cross-faith beads work across all denominations and beliefs. Or if you're an atheist, They even work as worry beads to receive the brunt of all of your considerable Mets-related anxiety, and we all know it is considerable. Ahmed Rosario Rosary Beads, the number one way to stop short your worries and plead to the gods of baseball for divine intervention. Very
1: nice. I got to tell you, this is certainly going to outsell the weirdly branded Kevin McReynolds,
0: mezuzah that they were trying to push when he came back to the team in the early '90s. I, I, you know, every place I lived in the '90s, I put one of those up, and there's a trail of them around. <laughs> I don't think I don't think KMac read the the fine print on yeah, those uh, think... on those contracts, though.
1: And I, I also don't think that the team really vetted that, and yeah, it, it was a bad idea all around. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But you know, collectors' items they sell for big money on eBay. Hey, uh, speaking of bad ideas, let's talk about the Florida Marlins. Oh, man. So, so, so wait, the Marlins, first of all, have a new ownership group. They do have a new ownership. Uh, Derek Jeter is uh, apparently going to be the managing owner of the Florida Marlins. That brings up
1: an interesting question. Is he still a true Yankee if he is
0: part owner of Florida Marlins? Same I don't question know. question
1: for Don Mattingly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you care about like what it means to be a hashtag true Yankee, I'm not sure uh, I'm really qualified or even, you know, care one bit whether or not someone is a true Yankee or not. Um, But um, Jeter is now going to be running the Marlins and there has been a lot of news that the Marlins are entertaining offers for their... um, number one guy, like one of the probably premier players in the league in the past couple of decades, Giancarlo Stanton. Now it's important to realize that every recent era of Mets greatness has come on the heels of a Marlins fire sale. Um, They gave us Mike Piazza. They gave us Al Leiter. They gave us Carlos Delgado. And going into an offseason when the Mets need to retool at a number of positions, if the Marlins are shedding players and shedding shedding contracts, is there a, is there a way to match those up? Or, you know, the other way to, to phrase that is, let me ask you this, Will. Who would you trade for Giancarlo Stanton on the Mets? Is there anyone you would not trade? Hmm.
1: Now, are we talking, when we ask this question, Money is a factor because, you know, would I swamp Cespedes for Stanton? Absolutely, but that's not the question. The question is who, you know, you know the Marlins MO is always low cost. Yes. So the question is, do you give Ahmed Rosario and Dominic Smith and probably a pitcher up
0: for Stanton? I would give one of Rosario... Smith and a pitcher, any pitcher not named Syndergaard or DeGrom. Um, But I would trade Rosario as a, as a, as a centerpiece for Stanton. I would trade Smith. I don't know if I could trade both of them um, because, but I'd actually give it a long, I'd give it a long think because if either Rosario or Dom Smith turns into half the player Giancarlo Stanton is, um, then you know, we'd be, we'd be truly, truly fortunate. Um, would you trade Michael Conforto from Giancarlo Stanton? Um, it's hard to say no. I mean, again, if Conforto turns into anything remotely resembling, resembling Stanton, you know, it's a miracle, but Stanton is already Stanton. Um, I would, I would open, I would open up pretty much anybody to, um, to get Stanton. Uh, Although, I honestly don't think that's likely, um, because even though there is a history of trading between those two teams, it would be hard, I think, for the Marlins to stomach seeing Stanton 73 million times a year. Yes,
1: and remember, the big factor in this is Giancarlo Stanton is signed for the next 10 years. Yes. So, you are taking on a substantial amount of money
0: and there's no way Fred and Jeff Wilpon are going to, are going to do that. No, no, you're absolutely right. And so, I mean, as, as much as we might salivate over the idea, I think the odds are, are pretty, pretty low. Now, that being said, we said the same thing when the rumors about Mike Piazza being traded were happening. So, so you never know. But to me, the more interesting possibility is, and we don't know this, this is, this is just speculation. They're talking about trading Stanton because of that mega contract. Um, yes. Maybe maybe they're going to trade all, all of their, all their other pieces. Maybe they won't. But if we assume for a second that the Marlins choose to do a true Marlin-style rebuilding, the experts mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the past 20 years of doing this, there are a couple of other pieces on the Marlins that would look Mighty, mighty nice in Flushing, well. and I'm thinking specifically of two people. I'm thinking of Christian Yelich. Okay. Um, how much have we talked about the need for an actual center fielder who can play mm-hmm. defense, who can hit, who can throw, who can solidify the the defense up the middle? I mean, it's it, you know it's it's hard to get all the the news and all the all the plaudits when stands on your team, but Kristen Yelich is a hell of a ball, pay, ball player. And um, the other the other guy who I would love to see the Mets try and find a way to get is D Gordon, um, and I know D Gordon has had some issues in the past with a PED suspension, um, but oddly I, I, that that doesn't worry me. Um, I think maybe there's a little sort of emotional transference from the um, the game last season. Um, the very emotional game after the death of um, Jose Fernandez. Of Jose Fernandez, and I think the um, the emotional uh, tenor of that night has sort of, I think, changed the way I regard D, D Gordon, anyway. Um, and sure. just... I, I don't have a big problem with PEDs, either. Yeah. Do whatever you
1: have I don't. Uh, take anything you want. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Yelich is terrific. I would if I was a fan of any team, you'd love to see Christian Yelich. The issue with Yelich though is again, he's not making a ton of money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's that's why I don't think we're looking necessarily at a fire sale, because there are a lot of people on there on that team who don't make a lot of money. And as far as Deke Gordon goes, this is where I disagree with you because yeah. one, um, Speed doesn't age well. Um, and stolen bases are overrated. I, I, that's his, that's what he... I know I know he's hit pretty well this year. Um, I think you know, we may have that type of player in the mid-Rosario.
0: Yeah, we might. More power. I just found myself so, imagining like a Rosario-Gordon up the middle with Yelich in center field is just, you know... That would make me very, very, very happy. And, you know, the Mets have shed a lot of these contracts with the idea that they're going to have to buy somebody in the offseason, whether or not it's through a trade or through a free agency signing. But, you know, they're going to need to upgrade in a few places. And, you know, if the uh, if the Marlins do decide to sell, I really hope that um, that Sandy goes and takes a long look at what he might be able to get. Um, get out of them and continue this, you know, great tradition of like, let's pillage the Marlins so the Mets can go (laughs) to the playoffs.
1: You know, but with Derek Jeter at the helm, Mm -hmm. um, again, that's going to take a time to get uh, approved. but you know, is Derek Jeter necessarily going to
0: want to help the Mets? Well, he's not going to do it to help the Mets, but you know, in all of these, in all these past, uh, Past uh, events, it was the the Marlins decided that they were shedding contract and shedding players and getting prospects back and cutting payroll as much as possible. Yeah. and and you know if they're going to do that again, then there's no there's no saying they will. They, Stanton may be a an outlier because of that ridiculous contract. and they just need to move that and say, hey, we can get a lot in return for that and get some decent players and some payroll flexibility and not do a rebuild. They may be hot rebuilding as much as we are. Um, but uh, but I just I get greedy um, and yeah, we have we have shipped out so many personalities. Right. There is such a yeah. hole right now. And, you know, that's as as it should be. But I find myself looking ahead, wanting to know who the new cast members are. True. True. Now, I don't want to
1: get, I, you know, I'm the last guy who's ever going to criticize you. <laughs> but very Yankee fan-ish to see a big name out there and think he's going to want to come play for us.
0: Well, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And I'm and, just, and, and I, the, the stand of it is not going to happen. I just think it's more interesting as a as a hypothetical to discuss you know, we've talked about how Rosario's untouchable, Smith's untouchable. There are certain players where it doesn't matter who your prospects are. Everyone's touchable. And oh, Stanton's one of those guys. You know, as a thought experiment, I love it. Because
1: the thing you have to ask is, who's going to pay for him? And, and the only people I can think of would be the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. But again, the Dodgers are stacked in the outfield. Yep. The Dodgers have the money to do it. And the Angels have the owner who's shown he's willing to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what might be interesting, if we want to think about, hey, where are the where are these chips going to go? It's hard because you know the, the waiver deadline is obviously passed. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who's going to get moved has already been moved. I mean, something could happen in the next you know week. But we're at a point where we can start looking at the off season, and you have to think who comes close this year but doesn't make it? Mm -hmm. And then they may be the people willing to um, mortgage the farm for somebody like Stan. Maybe. We'll see. Um, What I want to think of as we talk about, we've said this before, that the rest of this year is an audition for 2018. So who's, who's playing for the Mets next year? I mean, I was thinking about it today. And we can do this pretty
0: quickly, you know, who are your three starting outfielders next year and your fourth guy? Um, It's, uh, well, I think that one's fairly easy. It's Cespedes in left, Conforto in right. Your number four is Ligaris, and they have to get a new center fielder. They have to get an everyday center fielder. Whether or not they upgrade, they spend the money to upgrade to a marquee everyday center fielder. Or if they decide to spend that money to upgrade somewhere else, then someone mm-hmm. who is solid, who can platoon with Ligaris. Um what? But I don't want to see... Unless it's Giancarlo Stanton or someone of that uh, level, I don't want to see Michael Conforto in center field next year. Not because he can't do it, because he can. But I would much rather him be an everyday right fielder and not have to think about it and just worry about, you know, playing the best right field that he can and, you know, being the best hitter that he can and not, you know, just move him around all the time.
1: I agree with you. However, there's something else at play when it comes to Conforto. If you've read any of the sort of the recent kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, Conforto now really sees himself as a leader on the team. And which sounds funny for a guy who doesn't have a ton of tenure, and this is his first full season in the major leagues. Um, but he looks at himself as a leader, and maybe he does want to play center. I agree with you, he's not the best option. Best place is right. But I don't think the the mental grind of having to you know cover the ground as well as hit, I think he can certainly handle it. I think he wants to handle it. I hope that the organization... Sees that he is not um, a good option in center. Yeah, he's a serviceable option, but that's not where he's going to be. You know, but as we look around the rest of the field, I think opening day next year, regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season, Dominic Smith is your opening day first baseman. Med Rosario is your opening day shortstop. But the rest of the
0: infield? Yeah, up for grabs. The and the, and the, the rest of this year, I think, is going to be, I don't want to say the last chance, but if it's not the last one, it's, it's getting late for Travis Darno, And that Agreed. That's d- if exactly Darno doesn't put it together the rest of the way, then either they have to look at going out and getting another everyday catcher Um, or, you know, if Ploiecki can show that he has been able to put something together, maybe there's a platoon, um, like they did in 2015 that was, you know, fairly effective. Um, but you know, Jonathan Lucroy is a free agent. I don't know what other, um, other catchers are out there that are available, but they may, they may need to make a move there. Um. You know, uh, if they do not trade as drubal as Drugal Cabrera in the next eleven days, I could see them um, exercising his option uh, and bringing him back as a third baseman next year yeah. to be that veteran presence to steady the infield. Um, speaking of speaking of Cabrera, quick question: mm-hmm. How old is this Drupal Cabrera? I think he's like thirty-one or thirty-two. He's like the oldest thirty-two-year-old I've ever seen. That's exactly the point. Yes. When I—he's
1: not even 32 yet.
0: Yeah. I thought Escobar Cabrera was 39 years old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope. Nope. I was shocked when it, when I, was, I think I was listening to the radio broadcast and Howie Rose was saying, was talking about um, Cabrera not having the speed he used to have, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Howie was saying like you know he's not quite 32, but his body's taken a beating, and I was like. Are you telling me that he is 31 years old? Yep. I just, I was stunned. Yep, yep. As stunned as I was when I first got a look at Dominic
0: Smith in a Mets uniform, and I thought Juan Uribe was at first base. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. He definitely does have that Kirby Puckett air um, to yep. him. And, you know, let's, let's get out in front of this right now, because I, can, I, can I tell you what I'm not looking forward to? I am not looking forward to several years worth of New York tabloid back page assassination jobs on Dominic Smith and his weight. I'm really not well, looking forward to that. Yeah, I
1: know. And I, I do not mean, to, you know, I'm not I'm not body shaming Dominic Smith. He admits that he's put on some weight this season. I'm sure in the offseason he's going to be working on it. But you know what? If he doesn't and he, and he produces, I'm totally yeah, fine with that. But you're right. It, it's very much a. A New York Post and, and a newsday habit yeah. of uh, taking shots of players over personal things just like they used to kind of hint about Ike Davis uh, quote unquote loving the nightlife oh yeah and therefore not uh, not made to, uh, to last on the Mets oh. speaking of Ike Davis do you see what Ike Davis did recently
0: I believe he's become a pitcher if I'm not mistaken
1: yes Ike Davis has become a pitcher and um, I know that he' struck out the side recently. I haven't looked up his numbers, but um, what that brings me to is actually some en- an encouraging bit of news while we were, uh, while we- this podcast was going on, I got an alert from a uh, friend of the show, my buddy Anthony, who I mentioned a few weeks ago. we text about the Mets 300 days a year. Mm-hmm. Um, per Anthony, uh, who-, who took this from uh, today's Mets blog. Um, uh, Drew Smith, who was the guy picked up in the in the Lucas Duda deal, um, faced eight hitters, struck out seven of them for the Rumble Ponies. Wow. All
0: yep. right. Go Rumble so, Ponies. Isn't Harvey pitching for the yeah, Rumble Ponies
1: tonight? Harvey's pitching for the Rumble Ponies? Nice. I am the, a proud owner of a Binghamton Rumble yeah. Ponies t-shirt. I'm going to have to get me one of those. Um, it's quality t-shirts. Um, but yes, yeah, since Smith got picked up, um, you know, Small sample size, but he's got a uh, he's got a a whip wh- uh, under 0. 07 he He's got a, oh yeah, small sample sure. size. Ten strikeouts and nine
0: Sure, items. sure. Better than the alternative. Absolutely, good start. Absolutely. So, um, season's not over. Um, we're not playing for anything um, uh, um, uh, other than learning about these new players and seeing what yes. they. Uh, what they have and auditioning for next year. And you know what, that's fine.
1: Well, there's one thing that the team is playing for or playing against. And it's sort of the big question as we go into the off season, are the Mets playing for Terry Collins' job?
0: Yeah, we're sort of in that place right now where with no other stories to really follow, that naturally is going to be the one. And, you know, I would not be surprised if Terry is not back. Um, he's, you know, he said that it's it's become a grind. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, who knows who, uh, who who will come next. I don't see them bringing in, uh, I mean, we talked about this a few months ago, I don't see them bringing in uh, a big personality from the outside, especially if Sandy is sticking around. Um, right that, you know, they'll want some kind of continuity.
1: Yeah, I I agree. We've talked about it before, and and really nothing has changed. Um, I thought that if the Mets, you know, put together a winning season and made another playoff run, that he would get offered a short-term contract if he wanted it. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think that what will end up happening is the team will reach some sort of agreement where he stays involved in the organization and, you know, and they bring they bring somebody. Sure. In. I, I don't think that Sandy or the organization, I mean, his contract is expiring. So, but I don't think they want to get into a, to a situation where he is invited to not come back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. That's if, if he moves awesome. on, it will be amicable. It will be a, it will be a, a, a retirement. It will be a, yes. you know, a gold watch situation.
1: I'm sure that, yeah, they talk through it, yeah, and, you know, and they decide, and then Terry gets to say, hey, um, I've decided that I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it's been great. Thank the fans. Um, thank the organization. Thank the players. Um, we'll see. You know, it's, at this point, we're just down to what are the storylines? Nice. Um, what's going to be, you know, it's an audition, doesn't it? What does Kevin Pawicki do? You were just Mm -hmm. saying, I'm repeating something you said five minutes ago. Probably time for us to wrap it up. Okay, so
0: let's wrap it up with the very important closing point that let's go Dodgers. And more importantly, Curtis, if you're listening, brunch on us anywhere in Los Angeles that you want, we'd be privileged um, to meet you for a meal, for a drink at a at a charity event wherever you want we'll be there you just you tell us when we will be there okay
1: curtis good luck jay thank you so much for coming back
0: i missed you i missed you too uh and um we're gonna we're gonna ride this out the rest of the way um because we are mets fans and we do not give up no matter how bad things look that's another day. <laughs> Great. If you're, uh, if you're listening and you're liking it, if you're hating our podcast, if you're indifferent, either way, if you would, you know, give us a like, a rate, a review on iTunes or any of your other uh, podcasting platforms, uh, we'd really appreciate it. I take it back. If you don't like the show, don't give us a review. Um, I, yeah, yeah, We only accept four stars and up. Only four stars and up. There are loads of Yankees podcasts you can go and give bad reviews to. We're, 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 we're we're happy to have you do that please go ahead <laughs>
1: um anything uh, else nope that'll
0: do it thanks a lot will and uh let's go dodgers all right, all right. thanks jay okay, okay. bye